Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. This week's edition begins with a conversation highlight from the Unite 2018 event in Nashville, sponsored by CBA, the Association for Christian Retail. I spoke with the daughter of the Vice President of the United States, Charlotte Pence, who shared observations about her father and the practice of his Christian faith. Also from CBA Unite, you'll hear material from a visit with Tim and Kathy Maggart as they discuss the inspiring journey in 1947 paying tribute to our nation's history, the Freedom Train. They're motivated by their faith to share their presentations, including a book, music, and stage show. Then, prior to the announcement of Brett Kavanaugh as the latest Supreme Court nominee, I spoke with Rachel Alexander of The Stream, who provided some capsules about the leading finalist to receive the nod from the president. And coming up on this edition of The Intersection, more content from CBA Unite in Nashville, popular author Mary Mann Simon, who has written a number of books oriented toward children, discussed how books based on scripture can bring comfort and security, can bring comfort and security to children. Finally, also from CBA Unite, it's Wayne McKay, discussing a new Bible product focusing in on some of the heroes to whom he refers as the first heroes who are portrayed in the Word of God. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. At the Unite 2018 event presented by CBA, the Association for Christian Retail, at the Gaylord Opryland Resort and Convention Center in Nashville, I spoke with Charlotte Pence, the daughter of Vice President Mike Pence and author of the forthcoming book, Where You Go, Life Lessons from My Father. She discussed some of her observations of the life and faith of her father. Here now is Charlotte Pence. Tell me about what you observed as your dad had this opportunity. He was offered the position by then the the nominee, the soon-to-be nominee of the party president, then now President Trump, then the candidate. What are what are some of the things that you observed that he was going through as far as the, the process of really stepping into that potential role? Yeah, well, I talk about this a lot in the book, actually, um, just about how I was actually home at the time. So um, I was able to see my parents that summer um, just really really pray about that decision and just, um, you know, they had a lot of peace about it, um, about whether or not uh, they were chosen. So when um, they were picked um, as the running mate um, of now President Donald Trump, um, we were all together and it was just a really special thing. I was able to go on the campaign trail with them. So I was able to kind of um, see them and encourage them and support them in a really hands-on way, which was very fun for us. Well, something that you just said about the fact that your family prayed about this decision. As you've seen your father approach these various steps in his career, how important has the role of prayer been to him? I think it's really, it's been essential for him. Um, His faith is very important to him. So um, I think that that's definitely something he always does. Whenever he's facing a decision, um, he prays about it and, um, Definitely, um, I think it definitely helps him a lot. How have you seen his Christian faith really inform some of the the decisions that he's made, not only as vice president, but also in some of the other offices that he has held? Um, I don't know. I think that, you know, everyone's faith is very personal to them. So um, I can't really speak to his faith in particular, but um, I definitely do see it. It influences his daily life and definitely how he 
he treats people and how he encourages the people around him. Well, your father, obviously a very public figure. He was known to a certain degree as a, as a congressman and a governor, but now on this national and international stage. What did you want to tell people in this book that perhaps people don't know about your father? Obviously, so many aspects of his life have been covered by the media. What sort of look did you want to bring? Yeah, um, I think I just wanted to share um, more of a personal side of our family and uh, some of those moments that we've had, um, you know, from the campaign trail to before to after. Um, You know, I think that, um, you know, this is obviously an inside look at our family and kind of the life of a political child, but it's also just a look at an American family um, and just how we uh, rely on each other and uh, really support one another in what we do. Well, talk about that American family. Tell us about, you know, people know you, your mom and dad. Tell me about the Pence family. Yeah, um, I have an older brother who serves in the military, and he's married um, to my sister-in-law, Sarah. And then my younger sister, Audrey, um, is attending Yale Law School. Um, And so then I'm right there in the middle. And so actually my parents had um, the three of us within three years. So we're very close in age, and we're also very close. Well, let's find out a little bit more about you. This is actually, how many books have you authored now? Mm-hmm. This is the second this one, is, yeah. The second one. Uh, and, of course, the one before that being the, the children's book. You live in California. Mm-hmm. So tell me about how you really developed an interest in writing. Yeah, I've always been interested in writing. I've always wanted to be a writer since I was a little kid. Um, and my uh, my dad always tells a story of, um, you know, when I would tell my stuffed animals stories when I was really young. And I would tell my sister stories at night when she was falling asleep. And um, he writes about that a little bit in the foreword that he did for Where You Go. So that's just, um, it's always been something that I've always wanted to do. Charlotte Pence here on The Intersection. You can find out more about the forthcoming book by going to the publisher's website. It's Hatchet, H-A-C-H-E-T-T-E, bookgroup.com. Her Twitter feed is at Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-I, Pence. Well, this is The Intersection Podcast with Tim and Kathy Maggart, who visited with me at Unite 2018. They discussed projects centered around the 1947 Freedom Train, including the book Kathy has co-authored called The 1947 Freedom Train, and the stage show and musical composed by Tim, who has released the new American Freedom Train show soundtrack. They discuss how their faith is influential in their presentation of American history. Here now are Tim and Kathy Maggart. I wanted to ask both of you to talk about our our nation's history. And I think it's important as we study our nation's history that we do so through the lens of a Christian worldview perspective. So as we think about our country, the principles upon which it's founded, its history, what are some things, and I'll ask both of you, that come to mind when you reflect on the importance of knowing our history and the faith element of it? Well, you know, it's uh, pretty amazing. Um, the The faith component is, to me, I believe that our, our country was built on four pillars, the strength of our faith, the strength of our families, the strength of our military and service and the strength of our work ethic. And on those four pillars, we built the, the American, uh, American greatness that we have. Um, so the, the founding fathers are just used 
many scriptures in developing their vision. Um, one of the songs, my newest song, is called A More Perfect Union. And the more I, more I think about that whole Declaration of Independence, um, the more I see the scriptural principles that are associated with those values and, and, and um, the, the preamble, um, just uh, the, the, the thought that uh, we can build something better than than what was available and what is available. And so um, it, I believe that the entire founding principles of our nation are built on biblical principles. And that's what we want to, we want to celebrate that. Hmm. Kathy, what about you? What comes to mind? Well, our children's book starts with the Pledge of Allegiance at the front of the book. And the, the characters in the story actually have a very engaging conversation about what liberty and justice means. Um, and as a Christian, my, my viewpoint and my perspective, of course, is that who is the author of freedom. It's, it's Jesus. Jesus is the author of our freedom. And he's, he's the one that, um, impacted our founding fathers that, you know, to, to build our nation on those, those Christian values and principles and beliefs. And, you know, so when we say one nation under God, um, that just tells such a rich, you know, aspect of our, of our history. And, wanting kids to be influenced uh, by those Christian values and understanding that ultimately God is the author of our freedom. He is the one that wants freedom in our life more than anyone. And, you know, our, our country from the beginning is, is founded on people who were willing to lay their lives down and, and many giving the ultimate sacrifice to, to maintain the Lord's freedom in our lives. And, you know, Bob, what a, a cool history is um, the very first corps of the military was the Army Chaplain's Corps, and their mission was to minister to the spiritual and emotional needs of the of the soldiers. And so I thought that I think that's a, a, a beautiful piece of our history. Tim and Kathy Maggart here on The Intersection. You can learn more at either freedomtrainforkids.com or newamericanfreedomtrainshow.com. Well, prior to the announcement of Brett Kavanaugh as the latest nominee for the U.S. Supreme Court, I spoke with Rachel Alexander, senior editor for The Stream. She discussed some of the potential nominees for that position being vacated by retiring Justice Anthony Kennedy just before the president's announcement on July 9th. From that conversation here now is Rachel Alexander picking up as she discusses one of the potential nominees, Amy Coney Barrett. Well, I mean, come on, millions of people across the country are Catholics. You know, you can't uh, use that against her. And, you know, she co-authored a paper on Catholic judges that concluded that Catholic judges cannot, nor should they try to, align our legal system with the Church's moral teaching whenever the two diverge. So, um, yeah, they're going to try to make it an issue, and the Democrats will again, because that's all they have against her. They don't have anything. She's got a very short record because she hasn't been a judge that long and she's been very careful not to do anything outrageous so that so they're using her religion against her. 
Well, something also that you point out, Rachel, is that uh, Judge Barrett had authored a paper saying that Roe v. Wade was erroneous. Of course, Roe v. Wade is has become an issue here. The president was asked if that if the judge's viewpoint on Roe v. Wade would be a question, and his his response was basically he had been told not to ask that question. There are many conservatives in the pro life community that are are saying that if you put a strict constructionist into this position, it could lead to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Talk about that ruling and how that is perhaps influencing this overall process and and what could result from you know from a a judicial conservative being put on the court with respect to Ro- Roe v. Wade. Well, yeah, Roe v. Wade was one of the most contentious decisions ever, and abortion has not become that much more acceptable since Roe v. Wade was decided. And so there is a chance, if you get a majority of strict constructionist conservatives on the court, that it could be reversed or dismantled to some extent. So it's terrified the Democrats. Um, You know, they're worried it could really happen. And um, even though uh, Trump has said he's not going to give him a litmus test, he's also said, on the other hand, he's only going to appoint pro-life justices to the court. And, you know, looking at the records of what we can tell from, you know, most of these these top-tier judges, um, they are strict constructionists. They are textualists. And I haven't seen anything that shows that any of them are not pro-life. Another of the judges that has has received quite a bit of attention is Brett Kavanaugh, and he is with the D.C. Circuit, U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. So what do you see in the record of Brett Kavanaugh? Well, I should say, first of all, both MSNBC and CNN have said he's the number one front runner. Um, he's 53, serves on the U.S. Appeals for the District of Columbia, which means he decides a lot of the key, you know, Washington, D.C. types of federal court cases. He served under George Bush, including legal counsel, and he played a lead role underneath Kenneth Starr drafting the 1998 Starr Report, which recommended impeaching Bill Clinton. Um, In Priest for Life versus HHS, he said that Obama's requirement that Catholic religious organizations provide free contraceptives violated the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. He descended from an opinion that required the government to obtain an abortion for an illegal immigrant teen in U.S. custody, and this gives him an edge over some of the other candidates. He clerked for Anthony Kennedy. I guess who you might say an emerging candidate here of the three, Kavanaugh, someone with a much longer track record than Amy Barrett, but uh, of course Barrett getting a lot of attention recently as well. Then there's, out of the three, maybe the the lesser known of the three, a gentleman by the name of Raymond Kethledge. He was appointed to the Sixth Circuit by George W. Bush. What's your take on him? Um, He's also a very solid candidate, uh, especially since he describes himself as a textualist. So he's like Scalia, not like Kennedy. And uh, let's see, he clerked for Justice Kennedy. Um, He's made several conservative decisions, such as criticizing the IRS for failing to turn over documents related to discrimination against conservative groups. He sided with the Ohio Republican Party to disqualify certain votes. And he ruled against the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which had sued the test prep company Kaplan, claiming background and credit checks discriminated against minorities. Rachel Alexander here on The Intersection. The website address is thestream.org. 
Well, this is the Intersection Podcast. It's a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can learn more at meetinghouseonline.info. There you'll find a link to the Media Center marked Meeting House On Demand, through which you could listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. Also, through that homepage, you can subscribe to The Intersection and have it delivered to your podcast-receiving software, including iTunes, on a weekly basis. The Intersection podcast is also available through the Faith Radio app. Learn more by visiting faithradio.org. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. You can also get connected to video content, and you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, and you can connect to the homepage through the programming section at faithradio.org. More now on the Intersection podcast from the 2018 CBA Unite event in Nashville. Mary Mann Simon stopped by the Faith Radio Meeting House Broadcast Center to discuss how books based on scripture can bring comfort and security to children. In the course of our conversation, she highlighted two books, one of which is entitled With Love From Me To You. Here now from that conversation is Mary Mann's Simon. When you think about children, and especially children being raised in Christian homes, and they see some of the hopelessness. And I know school violence has been such an important concept, and it's important that Christian parents are talking to their kids about some of these issues and and helping them to process them from a biblical point of view. So from from an author's standpoint from someone communicating God's truth what what are some of the challenges there absolutely you know it's really important that we're honest with our children that we find out first of all what they know or what they have heard so that we can convey the facts so that there isn't a lot of the hearsay that our kids might be seeing or hearing about in social media and then that we are honestly portraying what we are doing to keep our kids safe Uh, so that our kids really feel the sense that they are not dealing with these issues all by themselves, that we are there Mm. to help them, that there is a protective shield around them, and that God is always with them. And how meaningful those messages have become to our kids who deal with school violence. Well, let's talk about some of the the products that you've released. Of course, you you average what at least a couple of books a year. I know there are several that you you either have released or are about to release. Right, right. This year I have three books coming out. Uh, one is already out, and that's with love from me to you, and that is just a sweet, sweet board book that really shows what love is. You know, love is an abstract concept, and young children deal in concretes, what they can hear and see and touch. That's what they know. And love is just a word. It's an abstract. But when they see and feel love, when people show them love, it gives a dimension and a real understanding of what the word means. So let me read just a couple lines. Sure. Um, A red heart sends a message that says, I so love you, but we can send those same words in what we say and do. When I see someone sitting who might be rather shy, I'll smile to help him feel good and wave a friendly hi. If there's a child who's crying or looking very sad, I'll stop to show some kindness 
and he won't feel so bad. And when God gives me blessings that come from him above, I know that God is saying, I'm sending you my love. When children experience love, the word becomes more than an abstract. Hmm. It has real meaning for them because they have experienced love. And now that they know they are loved and God loves them, they can share this love with others. So that's the story behind with love from me to you. And I think of something, Mary, the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. And to kind of tie together this particular book and what you were sharing earlier about what perhaps children are seeing and experiencing these days, certainly one could say it is a scary world out there. And so if you have children that are seeking safety, they know they can be safe in the love of God. Absolutely. We know that children today not only need to be safe, but to feel safe. Mm. This is something that we have experienced since 9-11, and Mm. it has only increased in our world. And as children grow up, the sense that they can be safe and feel safe, physical safety and emotional safety. Both aspects are so critical for children today. Mary Mann Simon here on The Intersection. You can find out more by visiting the website marymannsmansimon.com. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's Wayne McKay, co-creator of Bible Force, the first hero's Bible. In our conversation, he discussed the concept of the illustrated book that presents the stories of biblical heroes in a graphic novel format. This conversation occurred at the CBA Unite 2018 event in Nashville. Here now is Wayne McKay. What we've done previously was really very simple. It was one illustration per page. So the one illustration was very, very graphic and very detailed, but you only had to worry about one illustration and then have the story behind that. With Bible Force, we've got over 3,600 illustrations. So each particular... Sorry, when I say 3,600, that's 3,600 frames. So within, within the frame, there's a lot more illustration work. So yes, so, so we had to think about, first and foremost, what we wanted to communicate in that particular frame, take out the piece of the, of the Bible that was relevant to that, that frame, and then cut in text. That was absolutely mind-numbing, that entire process, trying to figure out what was really important, what was not as important, and what was going to deliver the message. So when we first started off with the very first page, starting with creation, uh, well, trying to get it down to those specific frames was very difficult. You know, it really was. But hey, we got there in the end. It was, but it was about process of elimination and coming back with the things that meant the most at a glance. Because with comic books, it's all about a glance. Read the story, have a glance, and then take it away. The guidance that you would have to use in overseeing the illustrators... It has to be immense. Oh, uh, <laughs> is that an understatement or why? Oh, absolutely an understatement. Uh, the just to coordinate the, uh, the the graphics in its own right was absolutely well. It was nothing short of terrifying, to be honest, because um, we brief our creative director. We have an idea. Peter Peter Hicks is my co-creator with this product, so we had an idea of what we wanted to communicate. So we brief our um, creative director on what, what we think we need and she goes out and works with all of our artists to ensure that that's 
the correct message. So we get the line art done, which is, which is essentially sketches. We have to see that that first and foremost marries up to what we want. So you can just imagine the back and forth per frame, per image, to get it exactly right. So it's, it was a real process. And that's just to get the artwork right. Forget about the text. We're just, we're just getting the artwork done first. So uh, what sort of text do you use with respect to this? Obviously, it's called a, a Bible. So are you using scripture or paraphrase or, or what sort of text is going along with the story? Oh, absolutely using scripture. So we tended to, to we, we looked at a number of Bibles and we, because we wanted to blend in, we didn't want to have one specific denominational Bible. So we took a blend of text. So we also leaned very heavily on the New King James as well. So, so we, and that's, that was the, the core basis of what we did. But we still wanted a, a very good blend of uh, products, so we got a really nice mix across the board. And that too was very, very challenging. Because you want to appeal to everyone. But you also want to flatten out the text. So it's, you know, one thing for all. So when we talk about superheroes of the Bible, how many different heroes did you portray here? Well... Well, I don't call them superheroes. I call them the first heroes. Okay. So I think, I think that's really important because superheroes came much later. We've got the first heroes. Every, every superhero today draws on the first heroes of the Bible. So get, coming into 660 pages of text and illustration, you can't have everyone because it's an abridged version of the Bible. But you had to pick out those key characters. So we had about 26 or 27 that we really thought resonated um, with our target market, and that's kids between 6 and 10, and ones that they could relate to. So that process in its own right was also very complicated. But it's only the first title in the series, and we'll pick up with more and more as time goes on. That was Wayne McKay here on The Intersection. Learn more at BibleForce.net. We're nearing the end of this edition of The Intersection Podcast, the weekly production of The Meeting House. Learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Through The Meeting House homepage, you can get connected to the media center through which you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast. You can also subscribe to The Intersection Podcast through that homepage and get connected to two blogs. You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, you can get connected to video content, including recently added content from CBA Unite 2018. Learn more again at meetinghouseonline.info or go to faithradio.org where you can find out more information about the Faith Radio app through which you can access the Intersection podcast. Thanks for joining me. I'm Bob Crittenden.